to another Bankless DAO AMA. We are starting a new five-week series on blockchain privacy, and we've invited a number of industry leaders to come along and speak with us about the technologies that they're building, what it is they're implementing, how we can utilize it ourselves, um, and how they're pushing forward with industry standards for blockchain privacy. Um, today, we have an amazing guest, which we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, first of all, I'd like to just say that um, these Bankless DAO AMAs are brought to us in part by the Bankless DAO ecosystem. And also for this series, we're also joined by Aleph Zero as one of our sponsors. Aleph Zero is a highly scalable, scalable layer one blockchain with near instant finality and enhanced privacy for users. They use their own software based multi chain privacy layer to offer privacy and security via a combination of zero-knowledge proofs, ZK-SNARKs, and secure multi-party computation, SMPC. Take part in their bounty program now and help bulletproof the LF Zero network. Right. That was a ton, ton of technical jargon right there. And we're actually going to learn a lot about what all that stuff means over the next five to six weeks. So with all that said, welcome everybody to this new privacy series. Um, in terms of just some quick, quick, uh, just want to touch on this not financial advice, not tax advice, not investment advice. Everything you see or hear uh, within the Bankless DAO ecosystem is just educational. We're just out here learning stuff, trying to explore what is on the boundaries of Web3. So today we are uh, pursuing that mission. Jairus, what do we have in store for us? GM, everyone. Welcome to another Bankless DAO AMA, where we host insightful conversations with industry leaders. Today, we have Alex Zaitelson, CEO of Secret Network, joining us today. Secret Network is an L1 blockchain focused on privacy and security, and it's known for its approach to privacy-preserving smart contracts, often referred to as secret contracts. In today's AMA, we're going to dive deep into the origins of Secret Network, explore the tech they've developed, and discuss their vision for the future of privacy in the Web3 space. We'll also discuss secret NFTs, the role of decentralized identities, and how the community can get involved in shaping the future of Web3 privacy. Glad to have you on today, Alex, and excited to learn more, much more about Secret Network and Web3 privacy in general. So to kick things off here, what inspired the creation of Secret Network, and how did the founding team come together? Uh, so, so it's a great question, uh, but before I answer, I must say that I actually joined Secret Network pretty recently. Uh, so I'm the CEO of Secret Labs for about three months now, right? So we're talking about the history. Uh, I'm probably not really the best person to tell about that. What I can tell, what I do know is that the project was founded by Guy Ziskind, who studied uh, 
uh, cryptography and other stuff at MIT. And originally the project was called Enigma. And then it rebranded to secret. It was from the from the get go. It was focused on privacy. I believe the initial technology was uh, MPC, multi party computation. But later on, uh, the project actually rebranded and switched to the current technology which we are now using and we've been using for over three years now on mainnet. Nice, nice. And was secret network um, always on Cosmos, or did it start off? Um, on another yeah so, so secret network as secret was always always part of cosmos uh which made a lot of sense in the beginning and makes a lot of sense now because you know you're getting so much from the ecosystem uh and you don't have to worry about things like consensus proof of stake all this stuff and you could focus specifically on your application and that's what secret uh did from the get-go and what secret is doing and, and in terms of EVM compatibility, um, would there be any any benefits to, to being on an ETH chain, or do you prefer Cosmos for um, more than those reasons I mentioned? So, so that that's that's a great question. Actually, uh, until this year or until now, uh, we were mostly inside, or not not mostly, we were just exclusively inside the Cosmos ecosystem, right? But with a recent, with the latest upgrade and in, in, in general, the vision is to go outside the boundaries of the Cosmos ecosystem um, and to become kind of a privacy hub for all of the Web3, you know, being the oldest and longest running confidential computer network and seeing the demand for, for confidentiality everywhere. Uh, so we set our goal for the next year to actually create those uh, those ways for people to use our privacy tech from EVM uh, and potentially other ecosystems as well. Think Solana, think Near, think you know anything else, because we believe privacy is needed, um, confidentiality is needed everywhere. Uh, so, and in the same uh, in the same kind of motion, we also are working to make the secret experience more EVM like. Okay, so as you know, like one of the biggest hurdles is just creating a wallet, right? Creating a new wallet is a hurdle for a user because you need mm-hmm. to get the seed phrase, save it somewhere. It's like a headache and a, a point of fear. So recently, the, the secret ecosystem and the Cosmos ecosystem in general realized that. And we have some very nice efforts uh, that now allow people to just natively use MetaMask on Cosmos and, and on secret. So we'll continue doing that. And we have plans in also making the developer experience closer to EVM by potentially even allowing running uh, EVM code on secret or a sister chain, which we can later talk about when we talk about our confidential computing constellation. Oh, okay. Interesting. I love how you say uh, secrecy hub. That's interesting. And also, you don't tend to use the word privacy. You tend to use the word confidentiality. Uh, do you feel like the term privacy is is tainted in this space? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So we are switching um, or, or 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 preferring to use the word confidentiality. And you are right. You know, in my my first uh, work in crypto was with, was with Beam, which is a layer one privacy coin. It started back in 2018, and I was running the project for for a couple of years. 
Um, and even back then, there were those discussions of confidentiality versus privacy versus sovereignty. Uh, right now, we feel that, yes, the word privacy is somewhat tainted in a way. And uh, we also make another, another like mental step dividing this privacy confidentiality into two, two, two things. So one being transactional confidentiality or transactional privacy. And that's uh, protocols like Monero, uh, Zcash, uh, when you use shielded transactions, Beam, Grin, uh, and a lot of others, right, who solve the problem. And also all those, mm -hmm. uh, you know, projects like Tornado Cash. I mean, they, they gave you transactional privacy, right? Uh, we are talking more about the computational confidentiality, computational privacy. And that's about having your inputs uh, and your outputs into smart contracts being confidential, being encrypted, so that nobody can, you know, see your stuff, be it trades, mm -hmm. NFTs, be it anything else. So, so to your uh, question, yes, we prefer confidentiality and we will be mm -hmm. investing more in, in our communications and using that word. And we want to distinguish between those two. Uh, I think this distinction is, is is important because a lot of people don't understand that and they think, oh, okay, Monero and Adsec and uh, Secret Network, it's all like the same. No, and, and, and Tornado Cash, it's all the same. No, it's not the same. They're serving different purposes, different things. <laughs> And um, that uh, that computational privacy is what we're going to touch on a little bit later on the in the AMA as well when we get to your secret contracts. Great. Yeah, definitely looking forward to diving deeper into the secret contracts, learning more about secret NFTs as well. Um, and thanks for clarifying how you guys differentiate yourselves from other privacy projects, or you know, in this case, you focus on confidentiality and being able to. Um, bring a layer of privacy when it comes to the computational layer and you know um, and certain other use cases outside of transactions of course um but just to understand a little bit more about the journey of secret network can you explain how it how it evolved from its inception to where it is now and were there any features that were inspired by the community members um, so, so the project actually from the get-go, it was all about computational privacy. It was all about running smart contracts uh, in, uh, in, in such a way that everything is encrypted. Okay, and we'll touch about how it works. Um, so actually, it's, it's interesting that the, the, the coin, the coin itself, the SCRT, the secret coin, it's actually not a confidential coin. Uh, also, a lot of people don't realize that, right? So we're all about privacy, but our own native currency uh, that's used for paying gas and all that, it's, it's not, a, not even a confidential or a private coin, uh, which, you know, looking back uh, was a very smart decision uh, because whether we like it or not, we are still very much dependent on centralized exchanges, which are kind of which have to submit to regulation in a way and you know other privacy confidentiality oriented projects uh suffered from from that they were getting delisted so so it was not an issue yeah, you have to comply, com comply with the regulations yeah but that is actually a really smart 
um, a smart move looking back at it because, you know, now seeing what they've done to Tornado Cash, you could have very easily been shut down for offering those sort of private on off yeah. ramps. I guess, I, I guess you're right. Assets. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, um, and Jerry's asked about community. Um, well, I think the community here in secret is uh, amazing. And, you know, I, uh, my experience is with Beam and Secret, right? I mean, in, you know, actually participating in those projects. And in Beam, we built something similar, but we had to, like, also layer one, but we had to build everything from scratch. We built our own wallet, we built our own explorer, we built all kinds of public goods uh, and, and had to maintain that. So in Secret Network, the community has built so much and is continuing to build so so much um you know lots of things are you know applications and explorers are maintained and well wallets exist but they support us and they also implement features specifically for secret uh so the community is uh pretty amazing um I mean, I'm not sure I can name a specific feature that was inspired by the community that we created. There were some probably technical things, uh, deeper technical things where people would point out some sort of problems or improvements that need to be done. But I'd say the community input and most in creating all the apps and public goods around the network that are actually indispensable and, and that, that are needed for the network to operate. And that was mostly created by the community. And that's, that's really amazing to me. Yeah, that is, you know, that's the power of community and the power of Web3, the power of developers, um, open source. It just, we have this, this um, blessing of network effect. So this goes, it's the same thing with every single project we've talked to over the past year and a half, um, you know, the builder network is what actually makes the product and and drives everything forward. Uh, um, so I understand there's been a recent network update. Is that correct? V one 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 dot one one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So can you walk uh, through some of the new features of this? So uh, so there were several features, but I guess the main uh, the main thing is the support for Axelar GMP, meaning support uh, for Axel General Message Passing, which actually opens up a uh, secret to the outside world, allowing people to call secret contracts from their Ethereum, Polygon, Arbitrum, whatever contracts. Uh, and for that matter, any or almost any network supported by Axelar. So this is to me like the key thing that was, in, and this opens up this whole way towards, uh, towards this interoperability and became becoming a hub. Uh, for for the confidentiality on Web3. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. So it's more composable and easier for other networks and other participants to access and, and leverage your technology. Okay, nice. Exactly. Um, anything else that was released with that V11 update? Uh, yeah, let me just uh, open it up. Uh, yeah, so we did some infrastructure upgrades, mostly you know, up bumping the versions of different things. This this is actually the main one. This is the main thing. Uh, there was also uh, a feature called contract upgradability, uh, allowing people to upgrade their contracts, uh, which 
is useful uh, in a way, right, where you don't have to migrate. So meaning that if you find a bug, you can just upgrade the contract. Uh, some people might say it's not exactly the, the, you know, the blockchain way or the Ethereum way, right, because they are a contract is solely immutable, although some contracts still use proxies, right, and allow upgrades. So we wanted to allow this flexibility on Secret as well so that, you know, if you find a bug in your AMM pool implementation, you don't have to migrate everything to a new one, but just upgrade the contract. Okay. Got it. And um, so you're talking about interoperability and um, being composable. Uh, I would like to focus more so on how Secret Network also enhances privacy for Ethereum users. And can you elaborate more on Secret Ethereum? On Secret Ethereum? Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, we all know that Ethereum and, and all the EVM chains are like open books, right? Everything is is out there. Um, and my conviction is that this creates some sort of a glass ceiling um, in terms of the use cases and the applications and the kind of players that can enter um, and use services like DeFi and other stuff, right? So, so privacy, confidentiality is definitely needed. So the secret Ethereum is all about creating uh, an SDK, software development kit, uh, and a set of documentation that would allow EVM Solidity developers to easily uh, do things such as storing uh, encrypted data or create doing like basic set operations like sending uh, a lot of encrypted numbers and then getting an average or getting a maximum minimum median whatever it's like a very basic building block uh, and then later on where we'll be building uh more elaborate building blocks think of confidential voting right where people just send their votes to uh, from polygon or ethereum arbitrum wherever like all the app is there but the voting part Encrypted votes will be sent to secret, and then the tally will happen on secret. Uh, and so nobody will ever have any way to know who voted how, which is, I think, super important for, for a lot of use cases. Other cases. Yeah, so so before you move on from that, that's super interesting. We deal with voting a lot here within Bankless DAO, um, and we did actually activate shielded voting on Snapshot. Um, but I believe what you're activating here is is quite different with the implementation. Um, so in that case, if people were allowed to vote from any chain, let's just say you had um, a thousand different wallet, different types of wallets out there, all operating on 50 different chains, and those users of that community could all vote, and those votes would be tallied within Secret Network, and she and the the how they voted would be shielded, but would we still be able to track who has voted? And that would kind of, I'm just wondering how this, how this works with yeah, digital yeah, identities. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Okay. Actually, so, you can think of it in a, in a simple way, like, um, the, 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 like think of HTTPS, right? You're just passing your information to a centralized server, right? Um, and I send my vote, my username in my vote, you send yours, everyone says, sends theirs. So the server knows who voted, who voted and also how they voted, but it will not share this information 
with, I mean, okay. it, or I mean, it will share the, the whatever information that is coded into the contract, right? So that's, that's the beauty okay. of it. Uh, so, so now this server is actually decentralized and it's on the blockchain. So that's, that's how secret network works. And if we want to expose the list of people who voted without exposing their specific votes, no problem at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, envision how this might might work its way into our traditional voting systems that we have right now, um, because you know, voting is such a contentious problem in so many areas around the world. Um, I spoke to a friend the other day who said she was she was voting in the Philippines and she was all day on her feet waiting in lines. Um, that we definitely have better ways of doing it, um, but that's not that's not to say that Dominion voting systems are are the solution quite yet. So I feel like yeah. we have a long ways to go still. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but I think this is a very important use case and, and confidential voting is something that I think is very useful because especially in contentious issues, you don't necessarily want everyone, everybody to know that you were for or against the majority or whatever, right? It makes perfect sense. So, so this is just one use case. We're talking to different potential partners. Uh, we had hackathons with people, you know, already implementing part of that. And we'll be building those like very basic toolkits for people to start from there, right? Because voting, it has a lot like, there's a lot of additional features you can do, but what we will make available is just a basic voting module that people will be able to take and use. Other things are sealed bid auctions. That's another, another interesting uh, use case where you know, everybody bids on an auction, but the, the bids are not visible, are all shielded, sealed, and then they are revealed, uh, and it, it's kind of a, a different kind of an economic game that may be very useful for for NFTs. Actually, there is an NFT project called BidShop that is uh, already doing that. Um, so that's another case. Uh, there are other cases like storing uh, part of the user key on the blockchain that's also available on secret and there are projects working on that where let's say you have an account abstraction wallet uh, with kind of a, the key is broken into several parts and one of the parts is stored on secret network um, in such a way that it's fully confidential but the owner can, can always retrieve it and use it to sign transactions. And other things are confidential NFTs for instance, right? Think of a Think of a movie where the movie itself is uh, is stored somewhere in an encrypted format, and the key is only available to the owner of the NFT, right? And then if I sell this NFT to somebody else, then the movie might even be uh, re-encrypted, right? So that only the new owner can now watch it, but not the old one. Uh, so this is another interesting use case. Mm, yeah, uh, that, that is a really interesting use case. You could add that into um, software licenses for different, uh, you know, games or um, applications you could sell on your software license. So, yeah, I can see a lot of potential use there. Um, in terms of, of actually executing these private transactions on, C on Secret Network, um, so let's just yeah, take a step back now and sort of focus specifically on the network. Um, uh, the the native network, it, it's an L1, correct? That's right. On, on Cosmos. And correct. so now how, do, how does someone get involved? What's something that someone can go out and do today? What's a, 
Um, and a normal average use case of somebody listening today, if they wanted to begin transacting on secret network, what's the sort of lowest barrier to entry for people these days? Uh, well, it's you take your assets from Ethereum, you go to uh, to our bridge, which is called the secret tunnel. Uh, you move your assets to uh, to secret network, and now you have some stuff there. It can be USDC, it can be ETH, it can be any other stuff, or you just go to to some exchange and buy some secret uh, secret coins. Uh, and then you can do all kinds of things. There are um, there are DEXs available, uh, yield generated protocols, lending protocols, which you can go and use. Shade is um, the leader in, in this space. Uh, so go there and swap and invest um, or or provide liquidity to get get rewards. Uh, people can also stake secret uh, secret coins with with a validator and get significant rewards so right now the protocol inflation is 15 percent it's relatively high uh, yes, so yeah that, that that is pretty high we'll be looking at uh we're looking at that in the coming uh months um mm -hmm. so uh there are projects there there are nft marketplaces there are gaming apps like casinos where you can log in and, and play your favorite games. By the way, this uh, we haven't talked much about gaming, but a lot of games actually require privacy, right? If you want to do them on blockchain, there's no way you can have all your cards visible to everyone, right? Um, so, so yeah. So now we have we have some of them some of the apps AART is doing um, some of those and, and there there are many more so I'm just you know I'm sorry I'm not listing all the projects I'm just listing the ones that pop up into so, mind right now. for for having only been here for three months you're rattling all these things off so yeah uh, okay I'm yeah thank you it. I'll take it as a compliment yeah okay so um yeah so I would say uh today we have almost everything uh you would have on Ethereum or or any other protocol, right? You have all the basic applications. Uh, the scale is not that of Ethereum, of course, but you can do all that. You can, of course, participate in governance, uh, vote uh, for governance proposals. You know, decide the destiny of the chain. So uh, it's it's a full fledged uh, blockchain. Uh, with all the bells and whistles you would expect. And then outside of the use case uh, for a DAO using secret network for shielded voting, for an example, are there any other um, particular use cases for a DAO? Like, for example, can a DAO set up a secret multi-sig with secret network? Let's say if they don't want to showcase who are the signers oh, or okay. they want to hide sure. that from the public. Uh, that's uh, yeah. I haven't mentioned the. Uh, it's a great question. So one of uh, one of the problems, you know, we're getting back to the transactional confidentiality, but it is still important. So let's say I'm a DAO, and I want to pay out to pay out to different people, or even to my employees. Right? I have a budget, but I don't want everyone to know how everyone else, how much money everyone else is getting. Right. So this can be easily done on. This is like a kind of a native feature on Secret Network. We have 
this token standard we call SNP20, kind of alluding to ERC20. So it's a standard very similar to ERC. You can create a new token easily, but it's all uh, confidential, right? So the amounts and the, uh, the transaction graphs are, are not seen. So DAOs could use that. Uh, I think, Jerry, you, you referred to that, right? That, that kind of a use case where you do a payout. Uh, and you could also have a multi-seek signing transactions with those confidential tokens. Very, very nice. Yeah, that's a strong use case there because, um, yeah, I can see like a DAO may not want to showcase exactly how much their members are being paid each and every month. That could, you know, like malicious actors could look at that want to target certain individuals knowing exactly yeah. how much they're paid each and every month. Because uh, it's just like when you're a traditional employer page and not everyone, it's not available to the public. So I can see that as a very a viable use case. And then just to get a bit more technical here, just would love to understand exactly how does secret contracts work, especially in the safe algorithm wanted to write one. What are the key differences between writing a secret smart contract and a traditional smart contract, is there a difference between the programming languages? I know like with traditional smart contracts, it's usually written in Solidity. Is that still the case for a secret contract or is that a different language entirely? Yeah, okay, so um, so let's, let's take it step by step. So in terms of the uh, programming language, we're using Rust, uh, which is actually one of the languages of the Cosmos ecosystem. So, uh, now with Ethereum kind of getting more popular and Solidity getting more popular when people hear the word smart contract, which by the way is, I mean, every time I hear it, it's kind of stupid because it's not very, it's not a contract, it's not really smart, it's just a program running on a blockchain, but it's just an, an aside, right? So when people hear smart contract today, they think Solidity. Uh, yeah, it's a super popular language, but smart contracts are also written in other languages. So Rust, um, is a very advanced programming languages language with the power of C++, but much more secure because its compiler would really uh, be very picky about all kinds of potential errors and will make sure that uh, you cannot uh, you cannot actually write a program where you leave uh, some memory uh, you know not not freed or or use uh, you know, null pointers or things like this that may lead to crashes. So it's very stringent in that regard. So this is a popular language. A lot of people use it, not as many as Solidity, but that's how you write the smart contracts in uh, in secret. We're using this runtime that's called, that's called Cosm Wasm. Uh, it's based on web assembly. It's a web assembly uh, flavor for Cosmos. And the magic uh, actually starts uh, in the place where it is executed. So essentially, this whole, whole, all of the secret smart contracts are executed in what's called a trusted execution environment. It's a hardware module that is available in a lot of different processors that we're supporting, uh, we're working with Intel. So in, I guess, all or most of the Intel processors, there is this secure enclave. It's called SGX. I'm not even sure what the what it stands for, but it's the secure enclave. And what happens is that it has, uh, and I'm, I may be simplifying it too much, but just imagine it, that this enclave has a private and a private public key pair, and the 
private key is not essentially known to, to anyone. And even the operator of the machine does not have that private key. It's right there inside the processor, right? So when you send your inputs into this enclave, you encrypt them with the public key. The enclave opens that up and runs the code inside and then spits out the result. Okay, and also all the blockchain state is encrypted with, with, with the same or different pair, but that's that's the idea. So, so Secret actually uses, leverages this Intel hardware to provide, uh, provide this privacy. So writing a contract, uh, well, at least on the basic level, does not require any special skill. I mean, it's not like writing uh, ZK circuits, or some more, some, some other stuff, some other, you know, very advanced technologies based on arcane math. So this is actually, you just write your program and all the inputs and all the outputs uh, are encrypted and nobody can get in and nobody can get, get this information. So that, that's how it works. Now, on a little bit deeper level, uh, there are some subtleties because you have to be privacy, as a developer, you have to be privacy conscious and make sure you're not creating any data leakages. Uh, so there are some best practices on how to write that, uh, those contracts, but basically it's a contract written in Rust that runs in the secure enclave. And this technology takes care of confidentiality for the user. Okay, um, so you mentioned ZK there and uh, I don't think this is the same thing as ZK rollups, right? Slightly different. You're using the enclave, yeah, uh, secure enclave, which is not the same as a ZK rollup. So, can you just briefly touch? Because ZK is in the news today. Everybody's hearing all about ZK snark, ZK rollups. What's the difference between what you're providing here with these secure enclave smart contracts in Rust and a ZK rollup? So it's it is uh, it is in a way totally different. So the technology is totally different. So zero knowledge. Proofs are a very complicated and, and people say beautiful, but you need to be like, I guess, a very high level mathematician or computer science expert to understand. Everyone's definition of beauty is, is different, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, so and, and that's a way to prove, uh, to prove something, to create a proof of some fact. Let's say that I put a hundred um, Zcash coins into some place to prove that without actually exposing anything, right? So, uh, and that's where ZK Snarks come in. So ZK Snark uh, is a privacy technology that allows me to put and withdraw money from from a, 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 a pool without showing anything and, and proving that everything is correct. So all this Zcash uh, uh, shielded transactions are using ZK Snarks technology exactly for that, so that uh, I can put something in, uh, you can withdraw that amount uh, out, and everybody can validate that everything is okay. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm of course oversimplifying uh, this whole thing, but mm -hmm. that's that's no, one thing. So one use case for z for zero knowledge technology is privacy, confidentiality. There are also uh, computational confidentiality projects uh, like Aleo, um, Aztec, uh, that are using this kind of technology for, uh, for computational uh, privacy. Now, ZK rollups 
are a totally different things. Now, ZK uh, uh, blockchains that use ZK rollups are not confidential blockchains, like say Polygon ZK EVM, a great project. It's it's only open, right? You can go to the blockchain explorer and see everything exactly in the same way as you do on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. But what they do actually, they use the zero knowledge proof technology to create a proof that all the transactions are valid, right? So when you are on this L1, like every several blocks, I believe, or maybe every block, uh, they create this proof and then post it on Ethereum. And this proof actually, I mean, in, in my head, it's like taking a lot of data, like compressing it uh, and kind of signing it in such a way that you can say, okay, everything is correct. Okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's it, nice it's not necessarily zero knowledge of any of the transactions. It is zero knowledge that the proof has been validated, and you can go back and you can validate that proof manually if if an audit is required. Uh, otherwise, the the machine rolls on. Am I correct? Well, I guess it does include zero knowledge, meaning that it proves that the transactions are correct without having to show any of those transactions. I mean, this is the mm -hmm. point of zero knowledge, meaning, um, like, you know, an example is I can prove to you using this that I'm over 21 without giving you any more information of, you know, my actual age. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, it's also like proving that the transactions on the ZK uh, layer two network are correct rolling them up, right? And uh, without mm -hmm. showing, well, without the need to to present the actual the actual data and, and the math is built in such a way that it, it, it proves that. So so this is the other usage of, of zero knowledge. I don't mm -hmm. I don't think there are and, uh, blockchains that use both in the same time. Maybe they will be. Right, right. And so that is uh, essentially those ZK rollups are condensing that information and that's improving the scalability through faster transaction settlement. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it, and specifically it solves like ZK rollups came as a response to optimistic rollups where uh, the finality came like after seven days because, uh, you know, when, when something happens on a ZK rollup, like, um, I don't know, give it, take an example. Sorry, not on, on an optimistic role, like I guess uh, Arbitrum, right? Uh, so th there is a certain state, but there is a seven days window when somebody could contest and say, well, that oh, was a right. mistake. Something, something went wrong. So, so that's why, you know, moving money in and out may take uh, so much time because it's the roll up is optimistic. It says, okay, we think everything's fine. But if somebody thinks otherwise, then we always have this seven-day window for them to come out and, and, and claim uh, foul play. Uh, with ZK rolls, right. you need that because you have the proof. It's right there right now, and it cannot be contested because the math guarantees that everything is correct. Okay. Correct. So, okay. okay. So you have that, that, con uh, that period to contest in OP roll-ups, but not in ZK roll-ups. Okay. Exactly. Um, exactly. Nice. And that's why they're so much better because it's instant. Okay. The ZK rollups right. are better because because they're uh, they're really instant, instant and and scalable. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, that really helps us sort of visualize the difference and also how you, how you're integrating it. Um, you also mentioned um, some security threats, I believe, earlier. So um, that's something that we wanted to to touch on. 
what are some of the ways that secret network is staying ahead of potential security threats? Um, so, you know, we, we're constantly working on improving things. Sometimes people are pointing out potential vulnerabilities, uh, um, in the ways, say, we implement some of our contracts. Um, and as I mentioned, right, you need to be privacy conscious when you write, because part of the part of the thing is writing the blockchain state to a persistent storage, and the state is encrypted, but a very advanced uh, attacker might still derive something by looking at the pattern of where you're changing states and, and guessing something. So we have this ongoing work with uh, researchers who are you know trying all kinds of uh, attacks or let's say vulnerabilities so uh, so this is this is one of the vectors yeah. mm-hmm. okay yeah. um and for uh testing security this is something that came my original flow questions here but um are you guys actually like looking for pin testers for can you actually use AI in a way that can help with penetration testing? Huh. Well, that's a great question. Um, well, need to think about that. Frankly, we we didn't we didn't we haven't used AI before. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm a little bit skeptical. It would. Uh, do that well on a network level. Maybe it will. Uh, I know that a lot of people use that use AI to try and find vulnerabilities in um, in Solidity contracts, but I think uh, the capabilities are still a little bit limited. So, for example, I'll give you an example that's outside of secrets on my previous project, VirtuSwap, which is a DEX uh, with a different architecture. So uh, we. Uh, we I think we tried using AI to to find vulnerabilities, and maybe it did find something, but it, but it was very focused on the contract itself, uh, and it required humans to to see a bigger picture and understand certain vulnerabilities that may arise from interaction between different part of this parts of the system, right? So uh, so short answer is no, we're not using AI at Secret to do that, at least I'm not, not aware of that. And um, I think we should look into that, um, maybe offer that uh, as a best practice or tool for, for contract developers, because I'm sure it could find certain common patterns uh, and, and help people you know, prevent some basic, uh, basic security risks. Yeah, I asked that too, because I've been using ChatGPT uh, to assist me with coding uh, like a lot. Like I learned Python pretty much on my own. I use it to teach me CSS, JavaScript, and um, uh, and SQL as well. Um, so just interested in, to see like how can it be used for penetration testing. And it's probably not there yet because you know um, AI can make a lot of silly mistakes when it comes to coding as well. Like a lot of even like for debugging, a lot of the, a lot of the times it's much simpler to solve the issue than the suggestion that's given from AI. So perhaps like a like a, a specific AI model could be created where you don't have to use uh ChatGPT maybe create one specifically for penetration testing. Um, but I do want to pivot here and, and get into secret NFTs. 
uh, definitely would love to know, like, how is it re redefining the concept of NFTs by introducing privacy features? And can you explain some use cases that you've seen that you've liked? Like, how are people using secret NFTs uh, today? Yeah, so we we already talked a little bit about uh, this example with a movie, right? So uh, an NFT is a proof that you own something, right? But usually uh, that something is public, right? So if you own a whatever a punk or a penguin or or an ape uh, NFT, then the picture is, is totally public. And by the way, there was a lot of like in the beginning of this NFT craze, a lot of people were kind of wondering like why would would you why would this be even valuable because anybody anybody could copy this you know the, those pixels and you know my answer always was well yeah but of course anyone uh, and, and a lot of people can also copy a picasso painting in such a way that you won't tell a difference tell the difference but still you know picasso painting costs 100 million and the copy costs 100 dollars although it looks you know, especially to a regular person it looks exactly the same but but uh, still, I mean, this argument kind of, I mean, I could then argue, yeah, it wouldn't be exactly the same. An expert would tell. But if I just copy this punk pixel by pixel, then nobody would tell. Right. And that's where NFT kind of comes in. But anyone can copy and, and use it and, and whatever. Now, the confidential NFTs actually bring in another layer, meaning that, OK, I can own a piece of content. Uh, or a piece of something, but uh, part of the data is only mine and mine alone. And, uh, you know, a video is a good example or, or a soundbite or whatever, right? So uh, the data itself is encrypted and only the owner uh, can watch uh, and see and, and consume the actual, the actual content. Uh, so th these are just some simpler examples. There may be some other things like a lot of NFT collection on Stash, which is one of the NFT marketplaces on Secret. Uh, they have like those hidden properties, right? So some of the properties are of, of the NFT collection, the classic NFT collection. Most of the properties or some of the properties are in the open, like everybody can read them, read them. But some of them are confidential, are only visible to the owner. So, and I think it makes the whole collection game a little bit more interesting because when you're buying something, maybe you don't know exactly what will be those other properties and it opens up for additional, more interesting use cases. Also, we just had a conversation uh, with a project that's building um, AMM-based NFT trading, which is kind of funny, right? Because NFTs are not fungible and AMM is all about fungible things. But still, if you imagine like 10,000 NFTs with the same level of rarity, right? So you can put them in, a, in an AMM pool uh, and put USDC on the other side and then facilitate trading. <clears throat> but if they're all in the open, then then even if they're same rarity, they're not really fungible because, you know, you might prefer this color of penguin and I might prefer a different one. But if the information is confidential and I'm just saying, okay, you're buying a random uh, NFT, but I but you do see the rarity in this. So and then the, the trading becomes smoother. So that's another use case for for NFTs because I think uh, you know it sounds a little funny, but I think making NFTs fungible is an interesting task because that allows a lot of and there are a lot of attempts to to do that and, and 
some are successful, but I think it's it's very good that you can, you know, own those NFTs, but then still have them as part of the DeFi game and, you know, lend them or use them as collateral or trade them in AMM uh, fashion. Uh, so, so I think confidential NFTs will make this simpler, you know, using those NFTs. So they would expose just their, say, just their rarity index mm -hmm. or scarcity index. Uh, but there won't be any visible trades that people might give more or less preference to and thus make them less fungible. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So it really depends on how the marketplace decides to uh, display the data and also what data is available for the marketplace to display. Um, I love um, the example that you gave with um, encoding a secret message. I was actually speaking to somebody about this recently. They they do uh, secure data storage um, and they, they actually have um, a cold storage facility for um, key shards that they do as well, which is interesting. Uh, but she she was mentioning that they have, um, I guess you would call it, um, uh, oh, what's the term I'm seeking off the top of my head when someone passes on and you estate management, right? I guess that's that would fall under that. You you pass the estate onto somebody else they receive the key and all of a sudden they can open that message and they can view yeah. the video from their grandfather or whatever yeah. that may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's another, that's another thing. Um, in, in general, I think this, the, the, the availability of this feature opens up a lot of creative use cases for people who create those NFTs. Right. Um, Cause it's always, mm -hmm. There's always some creativity and some new ideas that might come up, and, and we're seeing that happen actually. Uh, with uh, because I see the different collections uh, use this um, confidential data in in different ways. So we had this for content, uh, we have this for NFT properties. We're now talking about making everything maybe opaque so that we can do AMM. Uh, okay. There may hybrid models where you do like part like this. Part, I don't know. It it just makes the whole so, thing much more interesting. So uh, there's so much you can obviously do with it. But um, I mean, I was trying to create an NFT, uh, um, a um, collection today. Sorry, my words are losing me today. Um, look, looking to do an NFT collection on Manifold. They provide fantastic studio tools where I can go on there and create and set all these options and uh, set the owner, transfer ownership. What sort of tools exist now for NFT creators within Secret Network? So, uh, so Stash is an example. I just there, there probably are more, uh, but I you know it so happens I just mm -hmm. played with it earlier this week. And they have a, exactly this a studio where you can use videos, you can use uh, images, you can decide on privacy, uh, like what features are confidential, what features or, or uh, metadata fields are not. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess it would be pretty similar to what you were describing, just with this additional confidentiality game, uh, making it, giving you more more space for creativity. Yeah, and I see that we've uh, we've posted a link there as well to Stash. Um, Secret Network posted that in the comments, and we've posted awesome. it to the space as well. So yeah, people can check out Stash S T A S H H 
where creators and collectors connect. So, all right, we'll take a look at that. Awesome. <laughs> really love the conversation we're having here about secret NFTs. Love to um, continue jamming on a conversation on this even in the future. Just thinking of some um, use cases off the top of my head. Just thinking like, um, like let's say a, a social media platform, if they wanted to like take like a radical change, like and, and really uh, embody the ethos of what like let's say allow the users to own their data. It'd be interesting if like the users can own their data and be able to sell um, an NFT to like let's say an advertiser. So instead of the platform monetizing off their data, um, the majority of the funds that go to the actual user itself and so, so like an encrypted NFT representing their user data on the platform. That's just something um, I was thinking of, something I would like to see implemented. And then also um, just wanted to talk about some NFT use cases uh, that you may have thought of that haven't that doesn't exist yet that you would like to see implemented and um, yeah. and you also I wanted to ask can you create a secret NFT of a real world asset? So for an example, let's say create a secret soul bound token of an asset sensitive information like your driver's license, for example. Like if that was to become an NFT, is there a way for that to be a soul bound token? Uh, that's that's a secret NFT. Or confidential. Yeah, so I think those decentralized IDs can be a great, great, great use case. Uh, you know, you could have all your, you know, all your kind of, kind of something parallel to your state issued IDs with all the data that you can reveal only to specific, uh, you know, in specific cases because today storing it all on chain doesn't make sense because it all becomes public. Um, immediately, so and, and soulbound tokens are, yeah. Also, I don't, I don't think we have that on secret right now, but I may be mistaken. Um, so this is also super, super interesting use case. Um, and what else? What else? Um, you mentioned a third thing. Sorry, I was uh, thinking about the sort of the IDs. Um, the first. Uh, the first iteration I was talking about here was like creating a um, a secret NFT for like user data on a platform. It's like yeah, 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 right, right, right. So, so I mean, anything goes. Um, it can be anything. Now, we haven't. I haven't mentioned actually a very important thing that it's a good time to mention right now. So we're talking about storing this confidential data. Uh, but you know, if it's always confidential, then it's probably you know. Nobody can see that. No, of course the owner can see that, the data. But what about if I want to show something to, to you specifically? Uh, so there we have this concept called a permit uh, where I can actually give you a permission to view my confidential data or part of it inside a smart contract. And that's super powerful, right? So, I mean, without that, it's even hard to imagine a, a, a a really functioning uh, system, because let's say you're my accountant, right, and I've been doing some trades on a DEX, or I've been moving around one of those confidential tokens. I want to give you this viewing key so that you can see all my transactions. We're coming back to, again, to the NFTs, right? So let's say you're using an NFT marketplace and you have a uh, confidential NFT. So how would this marketplace 
even access your data. So exactly like this, you give them a permit, you give this application a permit to view your data, and then they can present it to you in a nice way on a, on a web page or, or a mobile app. Uh, so that was that was an important addition. So it's confidentiality, but also with selective ability for selective uh, disclosure. It's actually it's funny because I think it was part of the cypherpunks manifesto from the '90s by Eric Hughes, right, where it says that privacy is the ability to selectively reveal yourself to the world. Selectively reveal, meaning that if you select or choose not to reveal anything, that's fine. But you need to be able to selectively re reveal because if we all are fully confidential, then there's like no conversation going on, no exchange, nothing, right? But and in our private lives and, and professional lives, that's I think that's how humanity works, right? We reveal certain information to each other, but not all of it. Um, and then to one person, you would reveal more. To another person, you would reveal something else, and and that's how things work. So, and and this kind of metaphor. Uh, exactly works in secret. So uh, I can create a permit for every smart contract that I'm interacting with, and then I can share those permits with the relevant parties. If it's my confidential NFTs, then I'll share it with my you know art appraiser and my NFT marketplace. If it's my uh, confidential token transactions, I'll share it with my auditor or bookkeeper so that they can you know create all necessary documentation. Okay. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, you can also, as you mentioned before, with those NFTs, you can sell access to data that doesn't have to be specifically visual or audio content, any media content that could just be <clears throat> access to your own identity information or your own, uh, you know, your own activity information. If somebody wanted to monetize or yeah. um, incentivize you to work out, you know, you could probably use this with your health network and say, okay, I've been working out five times this week, but nobody else has to know that. Um, yeah, that's so, a great yeah, idea. It seems like the potentials are, are limitless. And you must have a lot of great builders out there. We had some time set aside to, to, to talk about um, to talk about your favorite projects. Uh, do you have any ones, uh, just quickly, do you, is, does anybody stand out? What are you excited to be seeing built right now within Secret Network? Um. Yeah, so I think I named uh, several projects, right? So I think Shade deserves a, a shout out for what they're doing in the deck space. Um, I would also name a project called Secret Admirers. Uh, they're planning to launch soon. And it's kind of an OnlyFans uh, variant on Secret Networks where you have full confidentiality on the blockchain, which I think is, is an amazing case as well. Okay, fantastic. Um, so yeah, shout out to those projects if any of you are listening in the audience. Um, congrats for your shout out and also for other builders in the audience. I know we've had a lot of support today from the Secret Network community. So thanks for joining. Um, quickly before we, we wrap up here, because we're coming, you know, we're, we're past the end of our hour now. What are some long-term goals for Secret Network and how do you envision your role involving uh, or in evolving the Web3 space? Um, yeah, so we have big plans. So I, I mentioned that we want to be the privacy hub for Web3. And the uh, framework for that is called the Con Confidential Computing Constellation. Uh, 
Okay, so it started, uh, we kind of announced it formally last month with uh, Secret and another project uh, called Phoenix, which is a fully homomorphic encryption privacy project. And we will be bringing more, more confidentiality technologies into the mix because we think that it will be great to have a single set of APIs that can be used in any blockchain where, where the users um, or developers would, would be able to say, okay, I want to do confidential voting and I'm willing to pay uh, this amount um, and I need those kinds of trade-offs and then this will go to a certain technology. And then somebody else will say, no, I need a better, stronger confidentiality uh, and I'm willing to pay much more for that. And then it would go to a different technology. Right. So uh, because I feel privacy and confidential technology, it's not like winner takes it all. It's not like one technology will win the whole thing because there are always trade offs. Mm -hmm. uh, and today there is a lot of fragmentation, a lot of different projects, uh, like at least four different technologies I can name. TE, trusted execution environment being what we are using. There is zero knowledge proofs, CKP, which we talked about. There is MPC, multi-party computation projects doing that. And there is fully homomorphic encryption. There are projects doing that as well. So each of those technologies has trade-offs for comp computational privacy and transactional privacy. So we want to be this kind of hub that loosely unites them all and creates a single entry point for all the, all the others. We don't believe that all the blockchains need to become confidential. Ethereum is great. Not everything needs to be confidential, but having this option to have part of your flows or part of your data confidential, this will help uh, the industry to break this glass ceiling and to get to the next level of adoption. So that is our goal. That's why we're building this whole secret Ethereum initiative where we're building the API uh, to, to, to let people outside uh, our ecosystem use our privacy. We're also making our ecosystem feel more similar to EVM ecosystem, both for users and developers. And that's the strategy for the coming years is to keep our place. I think we're in a great position because we're the longest running uh, battle-tested uh, confidential blockchain. Uh, there are many other projects working on that, which is great. It's actually working on different confidentiality solutions because it means that there is a lot of demand. So we're happy that this is happening and we want to be this uniting uh, place and creating those this, this Web3 uh, privacy confidentiality hub. See, I'm using both words interchangeably. Privacy and like confidentiality, it's, it's the, yeah. Yeah. So, privacy so, not so that's, that's our goal for the coming for the coming year. That's my goal, um, you know, as the, the leading the, the technology development group, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's a, a fantastic goal, um, and I love how you're trying to you know unite the blockchain industry around becoming you know this this privacy and confidentiality hub. Um, before we end, how would somebody get involved in Secret Network? Is there any asks that you would have of our community, and um, you know, in terms of devs, community leads, people who want to get involved? Is there any? Any specific um, type of people you're looking for to get involved in Secret Network or any other ways? 
Uh, well, you know, the simplest things are joining our Twitter, joining our Telegram, um, all that. I hope we can post the links um, uh, in the comments. We are, of course, looking for developers. We're actively participating in hackathons. We'll be uh, relaunching uh, our grants program really soon by the end of the year. Uh, uh, we are also relaunching our delegation program for validators uh, starting next week. So I think uh, we are looking for users and, and developers who are interested. There's still a lot to build around uh, around secret and a lot of potential use cases that are not even conceivable uh, outside. So developers, specifically, I would say EVM solidity developers who are creative enough to think about applications that can use confidential computing to become better. Uh, that's, I would say, this is our, our main task right now, uh, looking for those people, because that okay. will exactly help us move forward and export our confidentiality. Amazing. Okay, you heard it here, devs. There is work to be done at Secret Network. Exactly. So yeah, talk to us. Talk to us really. We have great, uh, great ways to support to help. Uh, I also mentioned grants. So uh, we are waiting for you, really. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely now um, make me want to learn Rust. Well, the beautiful thing is actually that once we, as we are moving forward with those examples and ready-made blocks, you will, you might not even need to learn Rust that much. You because you just be able to maybe clone some existing contract and then just write your logic in Solidity and just use whatever something that exists. So, so yeah, we realize it's a barrier, and that's why we're investing in building this uh, set of of samples um, APIs SDKs that people can just use without even realizing or without learning too much uh, of, of Rust or, or secret blockchain for that matter. Oh, okay, nice. And I'd love to make some connections there as well with some um, Solidity, Solidity developers and jam on some ideas around NFT use cases. Because there's, so, like, there's so many use cases for NFTs that have confidentiality. So yeah, we'll love to break that glass in like that. I agree. I agree. There is, I mean, there's so much that we haven't even thought about, and that's why we need this global community to come with all the creative juices and and think about stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, we see that in hackathons, right? We see that people are inventing things and things that, you know, amazing things, and we need more of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely hackathons. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing here in six weeks' time. Well, um, it will be the, the sixth show. I guess it will be five weeks from now. Um, that's going to be our privacy roundtable. So we're going to kind of summarize everything we've talked about over the last five weeks with yourself and others. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, we'll be able to... Uh, you know, push things forward, discuss all the all the main pain points that we've that you've experienced, that others have experienced, and see how we can try and get around those things. Um, yeah, well, we covered a ton today. We really dove deep into Secret Network and learned a lot about how you're using secret contracts to enable <clears throat> enable things like confidential NFTs, 
confidential transactions um, and how people can get involved in secret network as well. So was there anything else you wanted to add before we finish up here? Well, I I, uh, I love the conversation. I think, uh, well, it's a common place, but now is the time for builders. It's the time to prepare uh, for the next, for the next, as we call it, next bull run, next, and I call it the next um, wave of adoption. And I truly believe that confidentiality is one of the key things that will drive that wave of adoption, along with account abstraction wallets, along with UX uh, improvements. But this this will bring us to the next step. And that's why I think it's super important for anyone developing or thinking about developing stuff to take this into account and to leverage this new ability that we are offering as, you know, having a confidential part in your project. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, lots more to come from Secret Network. Really love what you've built. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Alex. And cheers, Jaris, for being my co-host, as always. Thanks, Jaris. We can, uh, th yeah, we can wrap this up now. Thanks to everybody else in the audience who's been listening. I just want to quickly remind everybody that none of this has been financial tax or investment advice. And a quick last shout out to our sponsor. This has been sponsored in part by LF0, which is a highly scalable layer one blockchain with near instant finality and enhanced privacy for users. Take part now in their bounty program and help bulletproof the LF0 network. We'll be hearing a lot more from them as well at the end of this series as they're also taking part. So again, cheers, Alex. Cheers, Secret Network. Everybody else who's joined in today to listen and the Secret Network team. Big shout out to all of our fam at Bankless DAO and all the projects that we're working in. If you're interested in getting involved in Web3 and you don't know where to start, come to Bankless DAO. And this is where we'll teach you anything from the, the simplest, how to create a wallet, what is a wallet, all the way up to how to create your own ZK proofs, your own secret contracts, uh, you know, get involved in DeFi, swim at the whales, do it all from Bankless Dow. So again, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next week at the next AMA, which is going to be with NIM. So we'll see you at that one, everybody. Bye-bye. Awesome. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was great having you on. See you, everybody. Have a great day. and like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath. Fishing for some dry powder, watch how we ignite the tower. Blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny community, uprise. There's no 
no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, yam, beta, and bruise. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out. Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about. Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits. All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits. And that kibble's just sawdust. The shit is all rust. Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts. And I for one did not see that coming. Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money. Meanwhile, over here, rewiring features. More critical thinking, huh? Less knee jerk, more evolution, less shit coin. Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you it would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost, it might cost us, us a lot more, more than, than what can be gained game. by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces. <laughs>